My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 66. Greetings and salutations from the Guru Desk, the Car Guru. This is Lenny Lawson. That's really, it's just my work desk here at my car dealership. I was talking to a lady at the grocery store the other day. I was sitting there eating my chicken tenders, mashed taters, and green beans. You know, occasionally I like to go there and get some semi-healthy food. And I was finishing up my meal, got up, and this lady approached me. She'd been sitting there with a bunch of other ladies disturbing my lunch with their yabbering. Not really. They were fine. But she got up and said, are you, uh, uh, what did she call it? Lonnie? Lonnie Lawson? I said, well, I'm Lenny Lawson. She said, Gateway Ford? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I've had a vehicle ordered from you, or my church has had a vehicle ordered from you for, well, she said a year. It's actually been since last September, which is ridiculous. You know, it should have been here in, I don't know, two months maybe, eight to ten weeks. Still don't have it, not going to get it. And that's just the way it is. If you want to buy a transit, a Ford Transit van or a Ford Transit passenger van, either a cargo van or a passenger van, you're going to have a long wait. And it's still pandemic-related. Everything got pushed back, all the plants closed and everything, and, and these large companies like Amazon and FedEx and so forth, UPS, they got so behind that and the manufacturers of like Ford, GM, and Dodge, and so forth, they have such a big commitment to these companies that they get taken care of first before common folk like us get taken care of. So if you're a church and you want a 15-passenger van, you're out of luck unless you buy a used one. So she was, you know, very nice and everything. So I said, well, let me, let me see what I can do, and I'll call you back. And so, you know, people just like to get called back, don't they? If somebody says they're going to call you back, isn't it great when they call you back? Well, that's what I'm determined to do. And so I did, and she was so nice. And she said, well, let me have my husband call you, who is the preacher at the Baptist church. And so he called, and in the meantime, I did some research, and I found a whole bunch of vans for them, not new, but used. Now, here's the deal. Even used vans that are two years old with 50,000 miles on them, are worth more than they, or than the MSRP on them was originally. So if the MSRP was 48000 it's not uncommon to see the retail value, the book value. And I'm talking about Kelly Blue Book and Black Book and NADA, that the book value is $10,000 more than they sold for new. That's how uh, in demand these vehicles are, and such a short supply. That's just the way it is. So we had a good conversation. He's coming in. We can have an appointment tomorrow at 11. They're going to come in, bring some of their uh, fellow parishioners, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to see if we can find them a van. And after talking to him, he said, Lenny, we really don't need anything new. We just need a van. We need something that we can haul these kids to these youth camps and stuff like that in. And I said, I get it. I understand. I found a bunch of them in California that are for sale. Can you imagine how much it would cost to transport a 15-passenger van from California to Tennessee? My estimate would be somewhere between four and 5000 to get it because they can't put it on a big car hauler. They have to either haul it on a single trailer or maybe a, something that would haul two, maybe three cars. But, oh, it's just a, it's a nightmare. But that's what we're dealing with still. And it is impacting uh, 
especially people who need commercial vehicles. Like if you're a, a small business and you need a, a utility truck of some kind or a van that has all kinds of storage bins, some type of a specialty vehicle. If you need that, it's tough right now. It's way tougher than people who just need to buy an SUV or a crossover, some passenger car. That's pretty easy right now because the supply has let has been released. The dam has been released a little bit, at least. We got a big shipment of Nissans in the other day, and I was real happy to see it. It's weird, though. I mean, we normally get them in the middle of the month, and here they come at the end of the month. But Centrus, Nissan Centrus are so hot right now. They're on fire. And we can't, we haven't been able to get many of them. We got uh, 12 of them in. So that was very helpful. And I, that was three days ago, and six of them already gone. That's just how it works. But really, May has been slower in some ways and better in others. We had. A very probably the lowest used car inventory that I have ever recalled having. That's a long time. That's 45 years. And that was at the beginning of the month. We just sold out of used cars last month. And so I was really concerned what we were going to do. But, but thankfully, about 10 days into May, we started trading for a lot of stuff. See, sometimes people buy cars and they don't trade anything. They either, you know, pass it on to a kid or a you know a relative or they uh, just decide to keep the vehicle some people decide to sell them themselves which I always think usually think is a mistake unless they have a really good price that they've sold it for but anyway we just weren't trading for anything then all of a sudden here they come so we just and our lot is full now so we're ready for a wonderful June we do have some inventory in both Ford and Nissan F-150s and 250s. We've got quite a few 250s coming in, which we need the, the heavy-duty trucks. They're all new for for uh, 2023, but they just started coming in, and we're, we're pretty close to midway through 2023. Again, it's all related to that doggone pandemic. Okay, well, I'm going to take my first break, and I will be back in just one minute. Uh, did y'all feel that earthquake? No, it wasn't a real earthquake. But it was earth-shattering news in the car industry. And, you know, I probably have a somewhat negative bent towards electric vehicles, or I did, until this earth-shattering event happened. It changed my paradigm. A paradigm is, is basically how you out, your outlook on a particular thing, how you view the world. It's not 20 cents. That's a paradigms, but a paradigm, my paradigm shifted because of this massive event where Ford and Tesla have gotten together. Tesla, Elon Musk, has decided to open up his charging network to Ford. Now, you may say, well, big deal. Folks, it is a big deal because Elon Musk did it right. He knew that if he was going to sell electric vehicles, he had to have places for people to charge them in a rapid way. And so he developed these uh, superchargers that are all over the place. I think there's 12,000 of them. And, you know, I was thinking about buying an F-150 Lightning. I told you that I, that I ordered one, an electric one. It's still sitting out here. I decided to take the Power Boost instead, which is a hybrid. But now 
I might consider it. Because we go to Cincinnati a lot. That's where my grandson lives. And, and there is a there are like several Tesla charge, superchargers along the way. And in, in Florence, Kentucky, where he lives. So I wouldn't hesitate to go now in an electric vehicle. But I wouldn't have gone before because of the, just the unreliability of the charging infrastructure that was out there. But, I, but Tesla has got it figured out. Uh, there's this place in, in Bristol, Tennessee, that's called the Pinnacle. And I thought for sure there would be some uh, charging stations there. Well, there were some level two chargers, but, you know, that's eight hours sitting still charging if you want a full charge. But there are no level three chargers unless you drive a Tesla. So anyway, here's what uh, Ford and uh, Jim Farley, who is the CEO of Ford, and Elon Musk, who is the CEO of Tesla, have agreed to uh, work together and share the charging platform. Now, the Tesla superchargers use a different type of a plug. That's Boy, that sounded like East Tennessee, didn't it? Plug. Plug. So they use a something called a... NACS plug, and I'm not sure exactly what that stands for. Ford uses a CCS plug, and so Electrify America and ChargePoint and all those different companies that have all these chargers out there, 99% of them are CCS. Well, if you have a car that requires a CCS plug, you can't charge it as Tesla supercharger because they use an NACS plug. It's kind of like you know what happened. I don't know, probably, th- when, how long have we had VHS uh, tape players for TVs? Has that been 40 years, 35 years? I don't, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Or I'd have to Google it. Or I'd have to ask my AI uh, application called Perplexity. I use that now more than Google. But anyway, VHS, you remember those, right, VHS recorders? Well, you, in the early days, uh, Sony, I think it was, came out with Beta, Betamax, so you could choose between Betamax, which I think the tape was a little bit smaller, or VHS. Well, VHS won out. I mean, think about all the years you used to go to the video store and rent videotapes. Well, they had one little itty-bitty section that had Betamax, and the, and the rest of the store, which was 90% of the store, was VHS. Well, VHS won that battle, and Betamax went by the wayside. You know, it's kind of like if you go further back in time, back to the when Henry Ford was trying to invent the horseless carriage, you know, you either had the horse or you could go horseless. And everybody was laughing, you know, at Henry as he's going down the street in his little horseless carriage and sputtering and making all that smoke and creating dust and scaring off all the horses and little children. And so, uh, but the, which one? Well, the horse, there's still horses around, but they're not everywhere. And we have paved roads and motels and gas stations all over the place and things changed and we're kind of in that transition phase right now with electric vehicles Um, it's coming at least that's what they tell us but this made it possible for somebody to buy a Ford and to be able to go just about anywhere in this country and find a charger because Tesla superchargers are everywhere and you do have the other chargers that are there, they're not as reliable, but they're out there. Supposedly, there's 12,000 Tesla superchargers, and there's, I think Ford says there's like 15,000 of the others. But I don't believe it. I, I do believe the Tesla part, but I don't believe the other part. 
So that's why that buying a, a Ford uh, SUV like the Mach-E or the uh, Lightning truck has all of a sudden become something that a little bit more attractive. I'm going to eat some crow here because that was my big hang-up. I love the way electric vehicles drive. I mean, they're smooth and powerful, and they're great. They're very quiet. It's a great driving experience. But I was not going to risk driving to Hilton Head, you know, on my vacation and not know if I was going to charge or if there was going to be, you know, if I went to a charger and it was full of folks. Now, that could happen with Tesla, too. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You don't really know. But you can go to the app and see if, uh, if there are charging stations available. Mr. Musk has it figured out. So I thought that might be interesting to talk about. Something else that's going on with me right now, I've got my 1955 Thunderbird on the Bringer Trailer auction right now. This, the uh, auction ends on Friday sometime around, I think it was 4.58 is when my auction is supposed to end. And so I've had really good comments I'm not going to say how much I need to get out of it. The bidding is right at, as of today is up to about $35,000. That's not enough. But we shall see. But you know when I bought that car, I bought it for, at, at an auction in Florida. And it's a very fancy auction. It's called the Gooding Auction. And they print this big book. And you open it up, and there's pictures of the cars. Each car gets two pages, unless it's a really expensive car. And then they'll give it four or five pages of story. But my, my car, the, the Thunderbird, only had two pages, but they made a couple claims. They claimed that it had won best of show at the Misslewood Concord Elegance at the Endicott Mansion or Endicott Estate in Massachusetts. Can't remember the town. And they also claimed that it was restored in 2013. Well, guess what? After doing significant research, now, after I've already bought the vehicle, mind you, after doing significant research, I found out that neither one of those things were true. Now, for all intents and purposes, I could have called the Gooding Auction and said, I don't want this car anymore. You need to take it back. But I already did that once last year. I didn't want to press my luck. I don't want them to ban me from, from the Gooding Auction. So I just sent them an email and said, you might want to vet your sellers a little bit better and the cars that you're representing. Because in your guidebook, it said that it won best to show at this particular event and that it was restored in 2013, when in fact it was restored in 1998. And it didn't win at the Concord Elegance, which is a much more prestigious show and award. It won best to show at a, what was it called, the Bay State Auto Club of America which is a part of the Antique Automobile Club of America, which is a pretty big deal. I mean, they, they'll have 500 cars at that show, and it was at the Endicott Estate, but it's not what they said it was. And, you know, I could have probably called them and said, you need to take this vehicle back, but like I say, I don't want to burn any bridges. So I told them, listen, I'm very happy with the car. What I'm having a hard time believing, though, is that this car was restored like um, – 25 years ago. It's, it looks like it was restored last week. It's that good. So that's why I'm not upset. But I could, be, could have been upset if I'd really been counting on that. I think you should be able to count on that information. And I made it very plain to them that I think they need to be careful about making claims. You know what they say? 
They say that they trust the people that are selling cars with them. Well, a lot of those people are car dealers. And you know how some car dealers can be. Not this one. I'm a car dealer. And most car dealers are good guys and, you know, have good moral ethics and stuff like that. But there's a bunch of bandits out there, and we know it. We know it. We know that to be the case. We talk about it on this show all the time. So what else? Oh, yeah. Subscription services. We talked about this the other day. So let me tell you what's going to happen with your car. You know, everything's being replaced on your dashboard with a screen. Now, some of the latest models, you're going to see some really interesting dash layouts in the coming few years. It's not going to be long before it's going to go from one mirror to the other mirror, or one door to the other door will be solid screens, and there won't be any buttons or switches. I don't like it any better than you do. If it works as good as my iPhone, it's okay, but I do like knobs and switches, don't you? So, but that's that's going away, and, and one of the reasons that's going away is because of the, it makes, uh, makes it easier for the manufacturers to charge you for features that are already installed on your car but are not activated until you pay them an extra fee. Imagine having to pay $10 extra a month for your heated seats to work. That's what BMW did. How about an extra $4 a month for your steering wheel to heat up in the on those cool frosty mornings? Or you know, several years ago, I remember Mazda were, they were putting out radios that had a SAT button. It said SAT. Uh, it was right beside the AM FM, or FM button, which is right beside the AM button. Well, you know what SAT means, right? Satellite. Well, with a lot of people, when they push that button, nothing would happen. And when they bought the car, they said, well, I saw the SAT button. I just assumed it had satellite radio. Well, that's a good assumption, I would think, but it didn't. Oh, we had, we had some upset customers over that. And bad thing is, we didn't even know it. We didn't know it until after we somebody complained about it. Had a customer come in and say, "Well, I pushed the satellite button and nothing happened." It said I had to, I had to have something installed. You know how much that cost? Five hundred dollars to have that little piece installed. I ate several of those just so that I could preserve the peace with the customer. But you know, it's that same kind of thing. It's that you buy this car and the salesperson said, "Well, it has heated seats, but." Uh, they won't work unless you pay uh, a subscription for that. A what? Yeah, you got to pay $10 extra per month to have your heated seats that are already on the car to have it actually work. Well, what do you think about that? Subscription services. Well, General Motors thinks that it's going to be a $20 billion industry for them to be able to charge extra for for features. And and so what they'll be able to do, the, the features will already be on the car. A lot of the electronic features won't. You know, they'll even be able to make your car faster. Do you want your car to go zero to 60 in, in 4.9 seconds instead of the 6.9 that it does now? Well, yeah, well, that'll cost you $15 a month. Just we'll download it from the internet and it'll be on your car, but you got to pay us. If you don't pay us, we're going to slow your car down. I don't think that's right, but that's what they're going to do. It's coming. It's just another way for, for uh, the big corporations to take advantage of us good people down here. You know, it's just not right. But that's the way it's going to be, so I just want to prepare you for it. Make sure that if you're buying a new car that uh, you ask them 
Now, are all the features on this vehicle going to be active? Are there any things that I'm going to have to subscribe to in order to make them work? I noticed it says here on the the window sticker, you know, that it has this. Does it really have this? Is it going to work? You know, just like Blue Cruise on on the F one fifty. If you every F one fifty has Blue Cruise. Well, not everyone. The higher end models have Blue Cruise. All of them are going to have Blue Cruise. That's where the car will drive itself and steer itself and stuff like that. We well, have to pay for that. It doesn't just work. And if you they they let you taste it, you know, for about uh, ninety days, and then say, well, if you want it to continue, you're going to have to pay a subscription. So that's that's another thing that's coming. Okay, I'll take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, I'm back. Had a uh, listener ask me about oil usage on his vehicle. What is excessive oil usage for you? I mean, if I have to add a quart of oil between oil changes, I don't like that. I remember when the Mazda RX-7 came out as a rotary engine, they said you had to add a quart every 1,000 miles. Well, if they tell you that up front, I guess you know it and you can live with it. But if... I tell you what, it makes it very important for you to check your oil. And, folks, you need to check your oil in between oil changes because it gets down. if it gets down below the ad level, you could be damaging your engine. Uh, this gentleman said his was using two quarts of oil. And I did some checking, and according to most manufacturers, General Motors, Honda, Toyota, all of them, they say if your car uses a quart to two quarts of oil, Every six to ten thousand miles, that that's normal operation. Um, I'm going to be upset if that's the case. I've never had a car do that except the RX-7. So I would ask that question too, you know, and I would check some forums and see because if you buy a vehicle and it's using it's consuming oil at that rate, doesn't mean that it's you know not that it's going to fail. It's just that it's one of those things you'd like to know. You know, like the satellite button. If if I know that I'm going to use, you know, potentially two quarts of oil in 6,000 miles, then at least I can, you know, put it on my calendar to check it and make sure and add it. But I don't think you should have to with the tolerances and stuff that we have in these engines today. It shouldn't be necessary, but it is. It's just one more thing to have to worry about. But that's what, you know, one of these, that's one of my jobs, I guess, is to keep you informed and tell you this stuff so that you're not caught off guards, unprepared. Uh, if if I can help you in some way, do like this guy did. Uh, I'm helping him with his vehicle, and he has an appointment at my dealership to try to solve that oil usage problem. You can call me at 423-552-2020. If you live in Bangladesh, and you know I actually have two listeners in Bangladesh. That's the amazing reach of the Internet and podcasts. I have people that listen from, I think, 18 different countries and they probably want to know who this crazy guy is in East Tennessee with the weird accent. But that's just how we talk around here. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. Call me, 423-552-2020, or uh, send me an email, LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com. And I'll see you next time.